Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here today with a really interesting episode on cap space. And Brad Spielberger from PreFF joins us. Uh, Brad's been on at least once before, but uh, really appreciate you coming on to talk about your article you posted uh, for PFF on three-year cap health. Prospectively, this is 23 through 25. Um, first of all, thanks for coming on, Brad. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And kind of tell us an idea a little bit about some of the impetus behind the article and, and what you're trying to get at. Yeah, so I think the big thing, the jumping off point is simply that, you know, I think folks want to have a better understanding of the financial situation of their team. Can they add free agents? Can they make trades? All these things. And they look at a static cap space number just for a, a certain year. And that really does not tell you a whole lot. There are so many more moving pieces going into all these decisions. You can obviously spread cap hits out over a number of years. So you could maybe, you know, use that credit card, so to speak. And, and that gives you more freedom to spend. You could have a bunch of draft capital and that maybe enables you to spend because you know you'll be adding a lot lot of cheap contracts as well um you know all these things i wanted to incorporate into this ranking the last one the last column also simply just uh what do we currently value your pending free agents so you might have a ton of cap space but we already have a lot of money earmarked for a lot of very good internal homegrown players um and, and you know understanding they know they want to pay their own guys so maybe it influences how they operate in the free agent market all those things cooked together uh, to give us this composite score and composite ranking across the NFL. Okay. All right. Terrific. Now, there's a lot a lot to take on there. Would we like to start with – where would you like to start in terms of the chart, in terms of column-by-column uh, column understanding of, of how these figures come together? Yeah, we can just go right through it left to right. So, so we'll start with the top 51 veteran valuation, um, which is simply the, the numbers I use for my free agent projections for just roster valuation for a lot of the, the research and work I do here. I essentially turn player production and, and then, you know, factors like age and, and things of that nature um, into a dollar value using the position market the player is playing in um, and then projecting kind of forecasting growth in the market to maybe boost it a little bit if I think, you know, this market's going to increase and therefore all the, you know, commensurate contracts are, are going to fall in line as well. Um, so it, it basically spits out a number for every single player on the top 51 offseason roster and given their production the last two seasons, it then gives us a dollar amount. I will say for the Ravens here, I think their number here at 16 is a bit low and is probably in part because, you know, I use wins above replacement, which is obviously tied to being on the field. And I think Lamar Jackson missing some time the last two years, you know, dragged his, his number down a little bit here from his valuation standpoint. I think he has every right to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Um, and maybe his number's a bit low there. Also, guys like Rashad Bateman, of course, Ronnie Stanley, et cetera, that, that have missed time. Um, you know, I think it's maybe, maybe they, they should be viewed as a team that can increase that number from health more so than like they need to add a bunch of talent to this roster. Okay. So great point. So, you know, some people, we will post this, but some people will just be listening to this as a podcast. Uh, Brad has the Ravens ranked number 16 in total 51 veteran valuation at $315 million. And the numbers rank from number one being the Buffalo at $443 million to number 32 being, let me see, who, who is it? It's not Green Rams. Bay. The Rams at $253 million. <laughs> how, the, how the mighty have fallen, those Rams, uh, trading away the future a lot. Now, the top 51 veteran valuation, this is a point-in-time look. So this is like a pre-23 who's on the roster, or does it look at 23 through 25 who's likely to be there? 
for that so period. Just current, current, present moment, just who's on the roster right now. So it is obviously a three-year look, but the idea of having, you know, what do we think their current roster is worth? How good are they? Are they good at expensive positions or maybe positions that are hard to address in free agency, which tend to be the same, right? Edge rusher, you know, receiver, uh, tackle, tackle, et cetera. Um, you know, if they're good at those spots and, they don't, you know, if they weren't great from a financial standpoint, it would matter less because they're working from from a better, you know, beginning standpoint. So that's why I think it's important to have this on here. OK, very good. And uh, uh, I guess we move on to the next category, which is this active draft capital. Yep. So active draft capital uh, is essentially if you've been picked in the last couple of years and you're still on your rookie contract, what we do is. We convert every draft pick into uh, a value. So let's say, you know, you're the 100th pick. You're worth this many points on, you know, our draft chart. So I use the the overthecap.com draft chart that I created with Jason Fitzgerald. You know, the Jimmy Johnson chart, obviously infamous as well. The first overall pick on both of those charts is 3,000 points. And it goes all the way down to, you know, very few points for the last pick. So it's essentially saying, you know, how many good cheap, surplus value players do you have on your roster and then also adjusting for you know where were they picked there is definitely some projection in there right of course you know there's busts in the top five and there are elite players taking it you know mr irrelevant but but nevertheless trying to essentially account for should we see growth or should we see young players maybe you know grow into good contributors and, and provide a lot of surplus value because they're still on that cheap rookie contract so can you give us some examples for the Ravens from this, maybe that underpin this, whether what Kyle Hamilton or Tyler Lindebaum or, or Bateman are worth or OA on this uh, uh, draft, draft capital category? Yeah, it's a good shout. So I'll pull up the chart here. But yeah, so the Ravens obviously, uh, I think, show up well here considering how expensive their roster is because they've made some sharp trades, you know, moving on from Orlando Brown, Marquise Brown, getting extra draft capital to have those extra first round picks and and add players in. So let's see. Tyler Linderbaum was the 25th overall pick, if I remember correctly. Um, that's worth about 1,400 points. So like mm -hmm. I said, first overall is 3,000. By the time you get to the end of the first round, you're looking at 1,250. So you know, Linderbaum is worth about 1,400 points on here. Um, you know, Bateman was about 27th pick. He's about 1,350. So, you know, good chunks. They, they, they have, obviously, what, the four first-round picks with Odafe Owe as well. Um, this year, they obviously did not add a whole lot with the Roquan Smith trade and, and things sure. of that nature. But but they do have a good backlog because of those, I think, prudent and, and, and frankly, sharp moves to kind of, you know, get all the utility out of Orlando Brown and Marquise Brown on their rookie deals and, and then let somebody else pay them on that second that second deal. Yeah, I would would certainly agree. I thought what they got for Marquise Brown was highway robbery in terms of uh, what they were able to extract from the Cardinals on that uh, on that deal. I'm with you. Yeah. So, uh, in in terms of that, you didn't you didn't give me a number for Hamilton though in in that number because he was he's the highest ra uh, draft pick for the Ravens in many years since since Ronnie Stanley. Uh, what would he be worth in in terms of that? Yeah, so, 14, so he was 14. the 13th or 14th overall pick, right? 14, 14th. Yeah. yeah, so about 1670. So, okay. you know, a good chunk of points there are all coming from those first rounders, you know, no question about it. Okay. So, one of the things and we, you had we were on talking about before about the Spielberg Fitzgerald draft uh valuation methodology and one of the things is true is a very much flatter uh, metric than Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson has that very high skew. It sounds like still between 1 and 14 or maybe one in, let's say, about 20, you go down to about half of the value of the first pick. But that still yeah, even, is, 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I apologize for cutting you off. No, it's uh, ours is much flatter than, than than Jimmy Johnson and probably any of them out there, frankly. And it still does have a pretty steep drop off. Yeah, I mean, you look historically at draft classes. There, there are not many guarantees outside of the first 15, 20 or so picks. Okay. All right. Fantastic. And and one of the things we talked about that I don't know if you guys have, have you know, considered as a version 2.0 adjustment to it or whatever is, um, do you have a notional way to subtract out arithmetically or otherwise deal with the replacement level such that when you're drafting players late in a draft, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, to a degree, it all ties back. These values, the numbers are tied to contracts, right? And so it is actually comparing uh, like what the number values represent is actually the, the where a player lands in their position market, you know, the expectation, right? So for example, if you're the first overall pick, you know, we think you're going to sign top of market. And if you're the 20th overall pick, frankly, a an average or median outcome is you'll sign like mid-tier market. You know, so, so um, that's kind of how you tie it back to, you know, if you wanted to subtract basically, a, you know, a minimum salary or a, a veteran minimum from that number and say, you know, this is the value above a just like standard replacement player. Um, I suppose you could go about it that way. But, but it is something we've talked about of kind of because the whole impetus was, have one market, the draft pick market and the, you know, the veteran dollar market all be together and be cohesive. And I do think a potentially, you know, kind of controlling specifically for what is this player worth above what would have been on the roster instead of him is probably another good thought and, and good avenue to go down. Okay. All right. Fantastic. So let's, let's move on now. So this, this av- active draft capital doesn't mean exactly what I thought, because most people think active draft capital, you're only looking forward. It's not looking forward at all. It's not looking at 2024 expected draft position or anything like that, or any surplus draft picks those teams may already own. It's all about what players are on your roster and where were they drafted and only those that are still on that first contract. Yep. That's correct. Okay. A fifth year player from the first round, is he included? So if you're on a fifth year option, mm-hmm. uh, you probably would still qualify here. Um, I'm trying to think how I how I treated it. No, no, I did not. I, I removed fifth year option players from it. You know, it, it is really trying to represent getting cheap discounts. So yeah. uh, that that was something I kind of went back and forth on. But yeah, fifth year option players are not included here. All right, outstanding. And then we look at 2023 to 25 cap space in the next column. What are we What are we measuring with that? Yep. So this is the effective cap space for the next three years for every team. What I mean by effective cap space is, you know, we know you need a 51 man roster during the off season in each off season. Um, so when we're looking at 2024 and 2025, the amount of players under contract for each team vary. So one team might have 40 players already under contract for next year. Another team might only have, you know, 28, 29 we essentially, the, the distance between 51 and what you have, so let's say you have 31 players under contract, you, we know you need to fill 20 spaces on your roster. We'll multiply 20 by a minimum salary, um, and, and that essentially gets you know deducted from your cap space because effectively you do not have that cap space. If anything, that's actually still an underrepresentation because, of course, you're not just going to add 20 you know veteran minimum players. But But anyway, that's what it is, so... This year's current cap space is obviously a you know a normal number. Now that we have ninety man rosters in July, uh, and then the next two years get adjusted a little bit, and then it's all thirty two teams. You know there are three year cap dollars as of today. Let me read that back to you because I want to parrot it back, make sure I have it right. So it's fifty one minus X, where X are signed players for each of those next two years times 
min salary. So it's probably some sort of projected min salary for 24 and 25, right? Or do you, do you well, we know, we know those. So we know the, the minimums. Yeah. From article 26, they're listed out for the oh. whole next decade. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Okay. So, the, but they are, they're, they're, they're sliding scale then already to, to, to have those increases built in there, subtracted from available cap dollars over that three-year period. Is there any 2020 six cap well sure there's prorated bonuses from 26 for example that are already spent that might go further than this but you're you're looking at a three-year picture on this okay yep. so that i think that makes a lot of sense so in that category this is where the ravens don't look so good so if you, you, you list the people on twitter the next wide receiver is always affordable to the baltimore ravens no matter what it's you know, so just go out and use the credit card you show the Ravens with a three-year cap number of only $101 million, which is 24th in the NFL. Yeah, no, I mean, look, they, they have signed a lot of good, homegrown, talented football players, but they're currently third in the NFL right now in cash spending for 2023, just under $300 million in cash spending this season, you know, on a $225 million salary cap. So, yeah, I, I mean, they could add some pieces here and there, but I, I would side with Eric DaCosta this time around. Uh, you know, I mean, they made a massive expenditure, in my opinion, for Odell Beckham Jr. Mm -hmm. Like, they really stepped up and, and made some of those moves. But, yeah, they're, they're not being stingy. They are, they are spending a lot of dough. They have seven players now making at least $14 million per year. Um, there's only one team above them with eight, uh, which is the oh, now I'm blanking. But anyway, like they, they, they are, you know, they're, I'm not going to call them top yeah, heavy, right. but they are an expensive roster. Now, the first use of, that I'm aware of, it may have happened in the distant past, but in, in in terms of the modern, you know, last ten years or so, I don't remember the Ravens ever using void years before. Now they have at least four players who have void year contracts for after twenty three, uh, after. 23, yeah, which means they're going to be free agents. That's Aguilar, Pierce, Edwards, and Beckham. And none of those guys are going to be around. That effectively means in 24. I guess they could be re-signed, but they'll be re-signed at the market value at that point. Um, how much of a trend is that in the NFL? How many teams are there in that kind of a position relative to the Ravens? Yeah, so pre-COVID, there were only a handful of teams that really, you know, dipped their toes into the void year waters, kind of tried to avoid it. Some teams, are, you know, or, or football administration departments, I guess I really should say, um, just really try to avoid the practice altogether. The Atlanta Falcons still just have one, I think, one contract in their entire roster that includes void years. Um, but the Ravens, it, it's pretty standard. I mean, COVID forced a lot of teams to kind of have to do it to be able to navigate the, the drop in the salary cap in 2021 and keep still keep their talent on the roster. So um, the Ravens are, are not like out in some outlier position from a void year standpoint, but they do have a ton of prorated money, uh, which, which we'll get to. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so I, I, in, in terms of, of why the Ravens went to the void well as much as they did, how much of that, in your opinion, was due to the fact that Lamar Jackson might have had to play on the tag this year. They might have been in a position, and so they had to find a way to free dollars and whatnot, whereas DaCosta has made the point that when Joe Flacco was re-signed they didn't have a net that they were working with if you know he was going to leave in free agency if if they couldn't come to a deal no i mean his, his cap number this year is now 10 million dollars less than it would have been with the tag right so they they obviously cleared a good chunk with the extension i think it's a big part of it they had to basically prorate and, and restructure a ton of contracts to be able to stomach that that big one-year hit um for lamar jackson and, and i think that was Hey guys, I want to tell you about the Eufy Video Lock. 
because when I'm not podcasting, I am, my day job is a smart home specialist. And the Eufy Video Smart Lock is perfect. This is what you guys need to go get. It replaces the deadbolt on your door. So now you can come home without fumbling with keys. You can just type in a code or even better, use your fingerprint to unlock. After one second, you put your finger there, pops out, my door's open. It's perfect. It also is an integrated video doorbell. We've all seen the video doorbells. We all know the ones that are out there. I've seen many of them get stolen. No one's going to steal this because it's your door lock. It's impossible for them to steal. There's no monthly fee. Other ones do. But this one, it'll record locally, so you never have to pay if you don't want to. The battery, it lasts up to four months. Plus, it notifies you ahead of time. And I mentioned earlier one-second fingerprint recognition. No, I meant one second till it opens. The AI self-learning chip will learn your fingerprint even faster, and then it opens up. Completely keyless entry. No more keys. And I know I set this up as I'm a smart home specialist, but anyone can install this. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. That's it. And then you're done. Guys, I love this product. Make sure you check it out. Now, here's the easiest thing to do. Just go on to Google or whatever you prefer and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door just like me, just like Ken. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, an unfortunate necessity, but they had to go about it the way they did. I can hear you mentally kind of shaking your head at the Odell Beckham deal and saying this is so un-Ravens-like, and that was certainly my reaction to it. Ross Tucker, any number of other NFL analysts who look at this and say, this just doesn't make any sense at all for a guy who hasn't played in the league for a year with the Ravens' experience with older receivers and whatnot. Um, how, how do you look at that, or do you look at it more in terms of a, a – a, olive branch to Lamar to try and get him aside. How, how do you justify that kind of a move? I think it has to be viewed under the scope of, you know, folded into Lamar Jackson's extension, you know, and, and then recalibrate and look at it from a different perspective, because look, all due respect to Otto Beckham Jr. He obviously has been a phenomenal football player when healthy. He's not like he's ancient or anything at this point, but it's one of the craziest contracts I've ever seen. I mean, again, and also I, I have a ton of respect for the, the Ravens front office. I think they do a phenomenal job. Like you said, it isn't Ravens like. When that number came across, I was like, okay, there must be incentives or some, you know, wonky fake money thrown into this. Yeah, maybe it works out and, and he bounces back. And, and again, the olive branch aspect has to be part of it. But but I'll tell you, it's it's I think it's one of the crazier contracts I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely mind boggling. 
So we've gotten through 23 to 25 cap space. The Ravens not in a good space with 101 million there. How about total prorated money? Yeah. So this is where, you know, this is the credit card we talk about. So they have the third most prorated money in the NFL, which is not a good thing, right? It means you're pushing cap heads out into the future to clear current, you know, cap space in 2023. I mentioned their third in cash spending in the entire NFL. When you want to spend, you know, 75 million more dollars on your roster than that single year's cap space, you got to push cap hits out into the future. So, you know, all those big contracts they have, um, yeah, I mean, you have top of market players at a bunch of positions or, or near the top of the market. That's that's the cost of doing business at that point, right? Is is you're going to have to push some of that out in the future. They're not quite Eagles or Saints level uh, with the prorated dollars, but I mean, they're, they're right behind them in third. Look, it's not a disaster. It's not a, you know, th- that is their normal structure. So I will say they are a team that this is actually a general approach for them is they do give, you know, big signing bonuses and then you can have some smaller salaries um, maybe the second or third year to kind of stagger cash flows a little bit. Like it's not like it's out of the ordinary for them. Um, but what it says to me is like this nucleus of players right now, um, this is the team, right? Like you're going to add, keep adding draft picks. Sure. But you trade Roquan Smith, make him the highest paid player at his position. Lamar Jackson, the highest paid player in the NFL history. Like, and you go down the list of all the guys they paid, there isn't some magic fix. They're not going to trade at the deadline for Devontae. Like none of those silly scenarios are, are going to happen. This is the squad, um, and they just need to stay healthy and play good football. All right, all right, outstanding. Uh, in terms of that prorated money, I, I know you are in touch with Dan Reese online, correct? Dan Reese. That Dan name Reese. sounds very yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's out in LA, yeah. and what he does on this show a lot, and I do a, a weekly show with him during the regular season, or he did last couple of years anyway. Um, he has a wonderful way of showing the portions of those contracts in four categories. And the big one is prorated money because it's already spent and it can't be restructured no matter how you want to play with it. And, and he does a great way of showing that. And players who have large purple bars, it's, it's so anti-Ravens, it shouldn't be purple. But uh, you know, basically, their, their contracts, you can't do much with them in terms of, of extracting additional value from them. But that said, those older that those players who are making a lot of money, they tend to be the only sources of restructuring on the team. If if you're if you're in dire need of cap, they're going to make um, you know fifteen million dollars this next year. Well, at least that can be spread out over four years, and and you can extract a little bit of additional cap from that. Yeah, no, I mean they kind of have gone to the well. Uh, you know, Stanley and Humphrey that they've been restructured. I want to say both multiple times. Oh, yeah. So then you start asking guys like Zettler, you know, good players for sure. What worth, you know, worth his contract. And I think I agree with him, maybe worth more than his contract. Um, but, but yeah, they, they don't have a lot of options, which again is, does tie back to having a lot of those rookie contract players. Yes, you can't restructure them and clear cap space, but they are benefiting you in that, you know, if we see a step from Odafe Owe, Kyle Hamilton already is probably worth, you know, more than his deal. Like it helps you to have good players on, on these cheap deals as well. Uh, of course, that's that's the that's the gold bars. Those guys on their first contract. Um, the Ravens have a number of pending free agents after 2024. It's 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 a, a broad set of rebuilds involved, including most of the defensive line, uh, both of their key running, both the top running backs. Uh, uh, you know, they'll still have Justice Hill next year, and and Keaton Mitchell, an undrafted free agent, might be the the, the number two running back, or maybe the number one running back for. Uh, for all that next year. Their defensive line has Braddock Washington, Matt Abike will be gone. Pierce is on void years already, so he'll be gone. Uh, the only guy left will be Travis Jones, 
who's actually currently signed uh, for, for 2024. The Ravens' current position, how are they going to be able to compete to find talent at some of these places where it's it's all draining away from them after 23? Yeah, and in particular along the defensive line, you know, on the interior, it's tough, right? It, this offseason kind of mirrored the wide receiver market from last offseason where if you have a good young player, he's going to get extended, right? Where He's not going to reach the open market. There were some guys, obviously, that did make it, Draymond Jones and Zach Allen and you know, Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, but more so there, you're looking at, you know, 28, 29-year-olds or guys that the, the incumbent team wasn't super interested in keeping around. So... You know, I, I think they'll be able to do it if they want to, but the defensive line is getting interesting, right? Where, I mean, you, you have, you need these players like a Jabo and a, an Owe and, and Travis Jones, et cetera, to step up and really make their presence felt because, you know, the Calais Campbell and Justin Houston's of the world, like those guys aren't always going to be around. Um, and Matt PK as well. I think he's been a good player so far. Uh, I think he's shown flashes, maybe becoming a more consistent down to down threat. Um, but yeah, that's that's honestly, I think the biggest question mark and biggest storyline going into this season. Oh, secondary, you know, the, the corner room is a bit interesting as well. But for me, it's like, can we see growth and, and a step from a lot of these young defensive linemen? Yeah, absolutely. And Brad, a question in Matipique was my thought that maybe one of them would get signed to a, a kind of a typical after year three Ravens extension. Um, we've gone through most of the offseason. It hasn't happened yet. Of course, there hasn't been that much time, I guess, since the Lamar deal was was terminated, but enough for something. Uh, still a possibility? Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we usually don't see, you know, a ton of these these early extensions until around, right around training camp. You know, you're going to get a bunch of flurry of deals right before it starts. The team can ensure the guy will be there. But even still, we'll see some drag into August and, and even you know, right up until week one. So, yeah, I wouldn't hit the panic button or really, you know, even be concerned just yet. I I'm sure the Lamar deal was occupying the majority of their time um, and, and they can circle back on some of these deals. And, and Baltimore deserves credit. They've been very good at getting these early extensions done, which gives you great value. Um, you know, because you get these these player or these team friendly deals. Excuse me. Um, and, and the earlier you do it, and they've been open to that a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, it, it really helps to have players too who are realistic about their future earnings potential and 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 understand the concept of the divisible benefit on the table. So Chuck Clark, who signed one of those deals, and Patrick Ricard, great examples of 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 players who I think did themselves well and and also did the Ravens well in the process. Um, all right, well, fantastic. So now 30th in this total prorated money category is very scary. We go to the final column, which is free agent valuation, 2024 free agent valuation. Talk to us about yep. that. Yeah, so this is, and again, it is a projection. It's not trying to guess what they're going to do in 2023. So it is a, a dollar value as of today. But essentially, you know, what we think each player is worth on an, on an APY basis in the open market. So you'd take Matabike, you'd take... Um, you know, their, their lengthy list of free agents and, and essentially put a dollar value on all of them. Kevin Zeitler, Rakia Sin, um, you know, Patrick Queen, Tyler Huntley does factor in now as well, which is interesting because he probably has maybe an outsized value just because he's played a good chunk for a backup quarterback. But yeah, I mean, Michael Pierce, like it, it's a it's a decently long list of, of pretty solid football players. And, and I, I do think some there are some years where, you know, a team shows up super high on a list because they have quantity over maybe quality like they may not be dying to keep all of those mm -hmm. guys but those are contributors and guys that play meaningful snaps for the team but anyway uh the, the the number there is is adding up all those projected apys together um and it's essentially trying to reflect like i said earlier uh, you know 
yeah, you have cap space or yeah, you have whatever, but you know you need to go out and, and add or, or retain your top end homegrown talent. And that's obviously, you know, you have money earmarked for that working against you. Okay. So I'm looking at the 155 million in this last column and the 315 million in the first column. Are the units of dollars in those cases timed similarly? Can I treat those as being the same? Or is one of them really $2,024 or 2024 replacement costs? And the first one is 2023 point in time. Uh, 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 sorry, top 51. Yeah. So the tweak here is the, the, the final column with the free agent valuation, the inputs are still the same. But what I then do is... I really just project growth in line with the salary cap at a position each year. I don't get into like, oh, I think these guys are going to extend it or the, you know, the market's going to grow, which I suppose I could. For example, the interior defensive line market mm -hmm. or the wide receiver market last year, we obviously knew they were going to explode. But nevertheless, I would still say, okay, here's this player's production. Here's his age, all these things. Um, but And then I'm going to input it into a model that has – here's where we think the position markets are going to be in 2024 as opposed to where are they right now. Um, and so it does obviously, you know, upwardly adjust, you know, all, all those numbers a, a bit. Can you give me a sense of the overall inflation year over year between 24 and 23? And I know it's position dependent and whatnot from what you just said, but is that 155? Is it 135 in terms of 2023 dollars? Is it 120? What, what, what might it be? So it's going to be around position by position, probably six to nine percent would be the growth um, of oh, what we're it. looking at is essentially, you know, the APY. Right. So we're looking at uh, the top five APY each position. And then we put each player, you know, based on their production, they get spit out a percentile. Right. So, it's, OK, we think this guy is going to sign in the 80th percentile of their respective position market. And then we take that we take that as a product of. Um, where the market is or, you know, where we think it's going to go. But yeah, so so the, the growth is is just, you know, we look historically at how much the positions tend to grow year over year. Um, like you said, yeah, quarterbacks 15 and running back right now is zero, uh, <laughs> you know, so so obviously it does vary. But I would say probably six to eight percent in that range uh, is probably about average. OK, so you could do a little math here with me here. If I said, let's say eight percent, because I think the math works out pretty easily, that might be 12 million more since we're looking at 155 million of 2024 valuation than what those players would be worth today. Okay. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Okay. So maybe yeah, 143 right million. So if another way to look at this chart would be to say that of 315 million in current value, 143 million is going to be free agents at the end of the year. Is that, yeah, there? that is, that is, the oh, thing okay. is, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a scary number. Yeah, so the thing there I would say is for starters, so the rookies, like the true rookies, not rookie contract, but 2023 draft picks are not in the top 51 roster valuation, even if they do fall in the top 51, which obviously some do because we have no data on them. Um, and I don't, I don't want to just, you know, input a proxy wins of replacement or anything like that. I want to see them play some football. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so that is a factor as well. Okay, fair enough. So the Ravens going to be more dependent than ever on the draft from the looks of this, from the, the amount of spending they've done for this year. Uh, what would be your – Eric DaCosta gives you a call on the phone and says, Brad, I've got to get my cap under control somehow, or I, I, I need a, a prospective valuation that will help us do the most winning over this Lamar Jackson contract. How, how should I adjudicate my spending over the next several years? What would you tell him? 
I genuinely would start with, I think the smartest thing that they could have done um, was moving on from Brown and Brown and, and not locking into more large-scale contracts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say, look, I, I wouldn't be trading away draft capital more either. I think they probably saw value in a second and a fifth-round pick for a player they clearly think is is maybe the best player at his position. He obviously came in, Roquan Smith, that is, and played very good football down the home stretch for them, so they probably feel good about where things stand, but... I would say now is kind of the time to this unit, this this group of guys, this core, they're going to either make or break. And, and you need to kind of add depth around them and rotational players, maybe some, you know, another veteran like Justin Houston for a one year flyer that comes in and plays 400 snaps type of thing. Like I would say, yeah, like I, if I'm you, I'm not operating in the upper tier uh, of the free agent market. Look, I think Ben Powers is a phenomenal player as well. Mm -hmm. He graded super high for us as a pass blocker last year. I think they probably had to make that tough decision and let him walk. So so I think they're doing all the right things. Um, it really is, honestly. Like, I think it comes down to Owe and Ojabo and Matabike and Travis. Like, those, those guys need to make an impact. And if they do, they're in a good spot. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Brad, outstanding stuff. Always, your your analysis is is uh, got great depth to it, and you understand what you're talking about. Obviously, in terms of of uh, a lot of the NFL teams individually, really appreciate you coming on to do this. Tell folks first of all, where can they find this exact article so they can read through what we've just discussed? Yeah, well, first, thank you so much for having me. Always a good time. Um, yeah, th this article is at pff.com. If you probably Googled three-year cap analysis PFF, uh, I'm sure it would come up for you. Uh, and that's where all my content is coming out of pff.com. And I, I should plug uh, any contract or salary cap or anything like that over the cap.com is a great resource. Uh, that's where I get, we get all of our data, uh, and, and it's a wonderful resource for anyone that wants to learn more about salary cap contracts, et cetera. All, all my cap search or contract search stuff start with OTC and then the player's name. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. Brad, uh, uh, outstanding. Thanks so much for coming on. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. Uh, DMs are always open on Twitter. I'll respond to you very quickly. There's still time in July during this slight down period to have a show or two that I could add. And I'd uh, always enjoy talking to new people. Brad, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.